0: Hello, and welcome to Wicked Wednesdays, your weekly podcast on sex and sexuality, with an emphasis on BDSM, kink, and poly relationships. I'm your host, Wicked Fellow, and this week we're going to talk about collars, being collared, the importance of collars in a BDSM or kink relationship. Before we get started, I want to send a special shout out to Lexi and Sally, in case I didn't get you guys last episode, our newest Patreon followers. If for some reason I missed you in your Patreon shout out, if you never heard your name on the podcast or the videos, please let me know because I wanna make sure you get that benefit that's due to you. And it's important to me to, to welcome and thank our new Patreon followers. If you would like to be a Patreon sponsor, head to wickedfellow.com. You can find all of our links there, including our Patreon, the YouTube link, the podcasts, and our adult sites, of course. There are also links to our social media, though I realized last week that my Twitter profile isn't there anymore. And I don't know if I forgot to set that up, or if I never did set that up, but I will do that this week. It's HisWickedWays at Twitter, if you're interested in that. I'm not nearly as active on Twitter as I am on Instagram. And that's just my comfortability with that site. I do need to put more out on Twitter because, at least for now, that's the one social platform that allows you to do not safe for work content. Whereas everything else, as you know, has been very toned down, and it's very difficult to be an adult content creator on any of the other sites. So that's the world we live in. So, this episode is a result of a fan letter I got recently and it's a testament to the power of this fan creator interaction because I've done almost 50 podcasts now I did a whole series on bdsm 101 and it never occurred to me to explain how collars work and the significance of collars in bdsm so it's amazing to me that there's there's so much to plumb here there's so many topics to cover and sometimes I just overlook something that is very obvious so thank you very much for that a uh, question you had about collars and how they work. As always in these podcasts, I'm speaking from a singular point of view. I'm not the world's authority on how BDSM works. So your relationship with collars or your BDSM relationship and how a collar may work in your relationship may be completely different than mine. And that doesn't mean it's wrong in any way. There are no rules to this. There are no standards on how this happens. I can talk about my experience, and Koch's experience, the experience of my subs, and the generalized knowledge of the BDSM community that I have, just understanding that it's not comprehensive, and if I don't talk about the special way that you have of relating to a caller, let me know. I would like to include that, but I will give as much information from my point of view as I can. Callers in BDSM are many-faceted, right? It can be a simple toy. It can be something that is only used for a scene. You know, during the scene, a collar is placed on the submissive, and for that period of time, that collar is symbolic of and sometimes a physical control of the submissive. But then when the scene is over, the collar is taken off, and that's all it was. It's a utility item. And I have some of those. So I'm gonna display a couple of the collars that I have. For you guys listening on the podcast, this would be an awesome time to go to YouTube. I will try to describe what I'm talking about as well as show it. So I have a, a simple brown leather collar, and this is one of my household collars. This is a collar that if I was playing with somebody new that wasn't part of my household or a guest to the household, etc., they would wear this collar. And in my household in BDSM, that is signified by having silver hardware right? So this collar doesn't belong to anybody but me. It's just a utility item. So if I place this collar on a submissive person for the duration of that scene, this collar is a symbol of that relationship. They have granted me dominance over them, control over them. And this collar is a symbol of that. So yeah, for a lot of people, that's all a collar is. It's just a utility item. It's something that's part of the scene. It's something that's fun to wear it's you know very risque it's very subversive to put a human being in a collar right but you know it can literally be a part of the scene whereas it's an attachment point for chains it's an attachment point for a leash for example or if you're using the collar as part of a bondage system so in a very you know real physical sense it's just a utility item But in the BDSM scene, the collar has a much greater significance beyond just being a functional piece of kink hardware that someone is used to playing with. So I also have Koch's collar here. And Koch's collar is in green, her favorite color, as I'm holding up now. And her collar has gold hardware. And so in my household in BDSM, that's significant of someone that belongs to the household, that is in a committed Dominant submissive relationship with me only people in that role wear gold on their collars or on their cuffs So for Katja for several years when we played she would wear the household collar She would wear one of the household collars and again, it was just a utility item It was saying at the beginning of the scene as I place this collar on the person I am now in control over you and as long as you're wearing this collar That is symbolic of the relationship we have during this scene. However, at the end of the scene, I'm going to take that collar off and that collar stays with me. Because we do not have an ongoing dominant-submissive relationship outside of the play space. When someone takes that next step and becomes a partner of mine in BDSM, when they join my household in BDSM, Then a custom collar is made for them, and it's their property. It now belongs to them. It remains with them. They're entrusted with the care and keeping of that collar. And it takes on a much greater significance than just a piece of hardware used in a scene. So Katja's collar, for example, is incredibly valuable to her. It's something that she earned. It's something that she values very highly. And it's something that she is responsible for to me. Her collar is a symbol of our continuing BDSM relationship, very much in the same way that a wedding ring might be symbolic of a vanilla relationship. It has that level of seriousness for me and for Katja. Not everybody will take having a collar to that level, but that's how we choose to play. And I know that a lot of BDSM dom sub relationships do place a great importance on being given a collar, being collared. And for some relationships that is something that is always worn it's worn 24 7 the sub always has to wear the collar unless there is some very good reason for them not to wear it now in Kotch and Mai's relationship because of the nature of her work that would be very inappropriate it would be putting a lot on her to have to explain to everybody that she meets in a professional setting why she's wearing what to all intents and purposes looks like a dog collar and that's not something that i want to put her into and that's not something that she would be comfortable with that doesn't give me any more feelings of control and power so in our relationship it's not appropriate for her to wear a collar 24 7. i have had relationships where the submissive that i was in the relationship with was comfortable wearing a collar 24 7 and they were happy to wear it 24 7 and the nature of their life and their work allowed them to wear a collar you know wherever they were say they worked in a tattoo shop it wouldn't be hugely inappropriate for someone to be wearing a collar. People in that kind of alternative lifestyle will often wear collars that are decorative. They don't actually have a connection to the BDSM scene. So if you see somebody and they have kind of a countercultural look and they're wearing a collar, maybe it's a BDSM thing. Maybe it's a fashion choice they've made. And that's fine. I'm not here to gatekeep wearing a collar. If someone wants to wear one for fashion's sake because they think it looks cool and transgressive, I'm fine with that. It doesn't bother me because unless they're directly responsible to me, they can do whatever they want. My submissives would not be allowed to wear a collar unless I had given it to them. So that's a very, you know, dom to sub-relationship thing. In Katja's place, since she does want a lasting symbol of our relationship, something she can wear all the time, we decided on making a steel ankle bracelet for her that I made And she wears it 24-7. It's on her right now. And she's not allowed to remove that unless very specific circumstances arise. If it had to do with something medical, if it had to do with an emergency, if it had to do with wearing a ski boot, for example. It's a very kind of chunky piece of jewelry. It doesn't stand out too much in her day-to-day life. If anyone were to notice it, they would just think that Kaccha has an especially heavy taste in jewelry they wouldn't necessarily associate that ankle bracelet being emblematic of her being in a 24 7 bdsm relationship and that's fine because it's something between her and i she knows what it means i know what it means and it's very important to us in that way but if there was a reason she had to take it off she's allowed to do that but it better be a good reason she can't just take it off because she feels like it that day without asking me for permission And there have been a couple of times, whether it's for, you know, I'm going to the doctor or I need to do this thing that requires me to not have an ankle bracelet on. She's very good about, you know, asking me directly or writing me and asking for permission to not wear her bracelet that day. So we have replaced the neck collar with an ankle bracelet, but it has the same significance of someone that wears a collar 24-7 you'll often see collars placed on submissives and they'll have a padlock on them. You know, again, that is emblematic of the DOM holds the key to that lock and only the DOM is allowed to take it on and off. The dynamics of wearing a collar in a BDSM relationship, everybody gets to make their own rules. Everybody gets to place their own significance on it. But I would say that by and large, when you are collared in the BDSM scene, that has a special significance. That means that you are in a committed long-term relationship with a dom and the collar can be very important to you very emblematic of that relationship and very something that you cherish and you take very good care of and you're very proud of in the BDSM scene and there's nothing wrong with that you you should have a lot of good associations with your collar if you have bad associations there's probably something unhealthy going on within that relationship obviously so whether you wear a collar twenty-four-seven, whether you wear a collar when it's only in playtime, whether the collar is emblematic of a long-term relationship akin to a wedding ring, or whether a collar is a fashion statement for you—you know—it definitely has this subversive, countercultural feel to it, which is, you know, that's fine and that's part of the fun for a lot of people. For Koch and I specifically, it's very important to us. But the collar itself is just a symbol our relationship exists far outside of that physical piece of hardware that is her collar you know our stuff was packed away but Katya knew exactly where her collar was she's very protective of it she takes very good care of it there are a lot of rules that go into what she's allowed to do with her collar for example It's never allowed to be on the ground unless it happens to be around her neck at the time for example things that i have given to her so that it's treated with respect and treated with the proper care that it's due being a handmade gift that i have made her that's emblematic of our very serious ds relationship so with collars for example you've just met somebody in the scene you're kind of a new submissive to the scene and you started talking with a dominant and they immediately want to put a collar on you. Well, if it's for play, you know, no worries. If you're comfortable with that and if that feels good to you and you're aware of the connotations of wearing a collar during play and you want to wear the collar, great. But I would be very careful to make sure that you understand all the ramifications of what taking a collar from someone may mean. If they offer you a collar, that may be something that they're offering you a long-term, lasting relationship. And you are agreeing to that long-term, lasting relationship by accepting that collar. And that's not something that I would advise anybody to do on the spur of the moment or after a couple of dates, for example. You know, if someone's offering you a symbol of a lasting relationship, very much like an engagement ring or a wedding ring you have to decide for yourself at what point in the relationship that is appropriate. But again, it will depend on how seriously that collar is taken between you and the dom or the dom and the sub. If they're offering it as this is a binding symbol of our relationship, make sure you want to be in that binding relationship. If a collar is being put on you for play and it's going to be taken off at the end of play, obviously that's a very different situation. And that's why I wanted to, to draw the distinction between a piece of hardware that is called a collar that is used in kink play and a collar you know capital c collar that is given to someone as a symbol of a lasting relationship not something to be jumped into lightly not something to be taken for granted or expected assumed that you can just give someone a collar and they'll take it etc or expect to be given a collar there is there's a bit of a protocol here and with anything that I've given advice to in the BDSM world, you know, you have to communicate with the people involved. You know, ask your DOM, well, what does this collar mean to you? What are the ramifications of me taking this collar? And the same is true from the Dom to the sub, explaining to them what the collar means to you personally. If it's just a piece of hardware used for a scene, make that clear before you offer to put a collar on someone. Or if you are moving towards that you know, lasting relationship and this a symbol thereof, make sure that's explained and understood to the submissive before you start talking about giving them a caller. And this is basic communication stuff, but sometimes just like me needing to be reminded of callers in general, I want to put that out there that because the way the caller is seen in the scene, it's important to make sure the person you're giving that caller to or accepting that caller from that you guys are on the same level and understanding what that means at the moment, hardware or committed relationship. And obviously there's a big difference there. You know, for me and my household, I do draw that distinction very clearly. I make sure that the submissives that I'm working with understand how the hierarchy of my house works, how the rules of my house work. For example, they would know that the household collar has a silver buckle and someone that is a member of the household would wear a gold buckle on their collar that's something that they would know going into it that's a conversation that can be taken for granted later on when we start talking about what would you think about receiving a caller from me would you like to be my submissive in a lasting committed relationship here's what that means here's what goes along with that here's what's expected of you here's what I'm willing to put forward that's a very serious conversation and for me that's a conversation that's going to go on over several months probably and like I said with Katja Katja was a member of my household in a probationary way for several years before I invited her to become a full member of the household. As I've mentioned before on podcast, for me, that's a permanent relationship. That's a relationship akin to being married where we don't just break it off willy-nilly. It would have to be a serious thing. We would have to decide that this is no longer tenable and we are now going to separate, very much like a couple would decide to separate. So, before I invited her to be a full member of my household and asked her if that's what she wanted, I had to be very certain that this would be a good fit, that we would work well for each other over a long period of time, perhaps permanently. So, before I made that decision, before I offered her her collar, I was 100% sure that yes, this will be a good relationship. This is a good fit. This is a good match between what I like to do as a dominant and what Katja likes to do as a submissive. We get on well in real life. We have a relationship that works well outside of the BDSM scene. And I can see this relationship lasting indefinitely. I will then offer this person the collar, And that's just how I run my household. Other people may be much less formal, but still take the collar very seriously. For example, it may be a period of a year Where they give you a caller and they say for the next year you will be my submissive at the end of that year we will discuss and see if you are happy with this arrangement i have done things like that in the past but as i've played for 25 30 years now i've come up with a system that works very well for me which is people that are interested in playing with me are probationary members and that is also invited and then if they fit well with myself and the rest of the members of the household then we can talk about them becoming full members where they receive their own collar that is their property and is emblematic of our relationship otherwise it's just a piece of hardware we use for scenes i like to have a lot of ceremony and ritual in my bdsm i think that's something that i find very beautiful in the bdsm scene and the collar in and of itself is part of that ritual so when katya and i play when we're playing formally and not just spur of the moment, if we're having a formal session, it begins with that very ritualistic ceremonial placing of the collar around her neck. I have a very ritualistic and ceremonial way of doing that, that in the process of placing her collar on, I am reenacting the first time that I put the collar on her. And it's a very meaningful thing between the two of us it places her in a very good headspace. It places myself in a very good headspace where I'm, as I'm buckling her collar on, I'm considering all that that implies. So for me, that's a very beautiful part of the dom sub playtime. The dom sub ritual, the BDSM scene is that initial placing on of the collar. And I do it in a very still and quiet way, but that's obviously not the only way to do it. If you have a very primal relationship, the placing of the collar on might involve wrestling the submissive to the ground and putting their collar on by force. And that is just as beautiful in that relationship. That is something that a primal submissive may want to feel like they are being bound and being forced into that situation. That may be very thrilling and exciting for them. And I have played that way and it's, it can be very fun. If both parties are on board if that's what both people in the relationship enjoy for Koch and i we have a much different style of relationship and it is very still and very quiet and very ritualistic as i said so again the way that i do things in my household works for me works for my submissives you may have a completely different way of doing it you may have a completely different style or even notion on how important that collar is it may just be a piece of hardware or it may be the most important piece of gear that you own because it's symbolic of the relationship between you and your dom or your dom and your submissive. Um, Collars come in all shapes and sizes. So I'm holding up a steel collar. This is a very basic steel collar. These often have hinges in them. They're kind of solid. They can be very thin. They can be very heavy. They can be a shackle type collar which is kind of a broad metal band. Um, Those are often fastened with padlocks. I've seen collars in so many different variations that the style and shape of the collar might be important to the individuals. You know, they may have a system like I do where certain kinds of submissives wear a steel collar and other kinds of submissives wear a plate collar, for example. Or it just may be the collar of the day and whatever collar they're wearing is symbolic of that relationship. They may not have you know, one collar, that, like one wedding ring. They may have a selection of collars, and every one of their collars means the same thing. When they put it on for the day, or they never take it off, that is symbolic of their relationship. So again, you play the way that makes you feel good. You enjoy the BDSM scene in ways that are fun and exciting for you. But this is also kind of an outreach to people that are not in the scene and don't understand how collars work and wouldn't necessarily recognize a collar from a piece of heavy jewelry. There are some collars that are very like high protocol collars, for example, that might have a very high, um, they're literally very high, meaning that the the sub's motions are very restricted in the collar. They're very constricting collar. They may not be able to turn or move or bend their head. And that's kind of a very special purpose type of collar. It might be a very light, thin collar. It may be a necklace that is not recognizable to anybody but you and your dom. Again, it doesn't have to look like my collar. It doesn't have to look like the steel collar. It doesn't have to look like anybody else's collar. The importance is, you know, what it means to you and your dominant or you and your submissive. If you choose a collar as, as a physical form of that bond. One thing I would say and i i see this enough that i want to talk about it and that's if your collar is just a piece of play equipment i don't care where you get it what it looks like you know as long as it does the job and it's not unsafe awesome i would like to put it out there that if you're offering somebody a collar as a symbol of your relationship let's not get that collar from wish.com or the cheapest collar you can find right I feel like that says something about how you value the relationship. And that doesn't mean you have to hand-make collars like I do. You know, I'm a leather worker so that's very easy for me to do. It's not going above and beyond the call of duty for me to make a nice collar for my subs, but I would never put my subs in a collar that was chintzy or cheap or, you know, made out of thin vinyl that I got at the sex shop because it cost 2 bucks. And I'm not trying to gatekeep BDSM I'm not trying to gatekeep and make it expensive for people to play I understand that a lot of people don't have a lot of money and you know they can't necessarily buy the very best gear all the time I totally understand and if you can find cool sexy stuff on wish.com to play with that's great but if you are using a collar as a symbol of your BDSM relationship It's worth saving up for, for example. It's worth spending a little bit extra on because you don't want to give a sub a cheap collar that's not going to last, it's going to be uncomfortable, it's not going to look good, and tell them, you have to wear this all the time as a symbol of our lasting relationship. By the way, I paid $5 for this. You you understand what I'm saying there? I would expect a dom to save up if they have to, go out of their way, And make sure that whatever they're giving their sub as a symbol of their relationship is worthy of that symbol, is worthy of that relationship, is worthy of the value you're placing on your sub and the respect you expect your sub to give you, you know, and ask yourself, is a $5 caller emblematic of that relationship? So great for play, great for Halloween. Awesome. But as a lasting symbol of your DS relationship let's let's go ahead and save up and get them a better than five dollar wish collar that's just my one little bit of editorializing i'd like to put in there because it does make me sad when i see someone wearing a collar that is clearly cheap and i don't think anybody wants to look cheap especially if it's something they're going to be wearing every day possibly for years but you know you guys do you if it works for you guys and it makes you happy and you don't have any problem with a five dollar collar and that What it's made out of doesn't matter because it's the relationship that it symbolizes. I understand that. And what's important is that you guys feel good about it. It doesn't matter what I think. I'm just one guy. So yeah, a basic overview about collars, how they work in both a physical piece of hardware standpoint and also how they function as a symbol of the relationship between a Dom and a sub. If you have any questions or comments, if you want to tell me about your own collaring story, if you want to you know, share how the collar works between you and your Dom or you and your sub, send that stuff in. As I said, this episode was inspired by a viewer question and those viewer questions I believe make the best episodes because I know that I'm connecting, I know I'm answering at least one person's question and hopefully that works on a broad basis and gives you guys some information some entertainment and a little bit of bdsm in your daily life that's what we're here for last time we talked about threesomes and we got into that i got some great feedback from that episode i am planning a follow-up to that that's going to involve a bit more how-to aspects in threesomes and also start talking about having a threesome in a bdsm and kink environment which can be very different than a threesome in a vanilla environment. I'm hoping to get Katya on for that broadcast. I know you guys have missed her, so it'll be good to get her back on the podcast. I also have planned for our 50th podcast, a very special podcast, and hopefully the timing will work out. If not, it might be around the 50th, but I have a very special interview lined up, and I think you guys will really enjoy that. I'm really excited about it number 50 might be a very cool podcast for us. As always, consent is king, take very good care of each other, and I'll see you next week. When I sat down to do this episode, and I was ashamed to realize I had no idea where our toy bag was. Katja has her own toys, so I should say my toy bag. I did not know where my toy bag was. And it's not that we haven't played since I've been here. We've played quite a bit. In fact, last week we played a lot. And you don't need any gear to play, but I did want to know where my toy bag was. I had, there's a lot of valuable things in there and very sentimental things to me. And I had no idea where it was. Fortunately, I realized it had gotten packed with things that were completely unrelated to BDSM. When we packed Koch's stuff, we had big boxes labeled BDSM stuff, and I did not. I had one bag, so I did find it. I was happy, so don't worry.